Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. Hey everyone, welcome to our bonus episode. For this episode, we are going to be getting you familiarized with our new co-host, Mr. Anthony Silva. Yeah. Yo. We're just going to have a little conversation so that you guys can get to know him as well as we do, and I guess as well as you know us. So a little bit about his experience with the horror and the sci-fi zone. And maybe <laughs> at the end, I'll have learned a little about myself. <laughs> One can only hope. All right, so I think maybe let's just start off with some of the big guns. What uh, what are your maybe top three uh, favorite sci-fi uh, movies there, uh, bud? <laughs> um, I definitely would have to say that um, I have to have a Star Wars movie in there. Um, I'm going to be... There's a, right, there's a right answer to this question. Yeah, I'm going to be a basic bitch and go Empire. That's the right answer. Uh, yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't go wrong with that in general. Um, outside of the Star Wars um, universe, Arrival. I think. I mean, we've you've talked about that movie. Like, I could watch that movie a million times, and I feel like get something <laughs> different out of it. Um, and other than that, I would have to say probably. I mean, I would consider the thing. Uh, you know, a, a hybrid. So I would say it, it's pretty close between the thing and, and Alien. But I think the thing wins out um, in the it's end. Kind of if I had to pick a middle area too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge advocate for Arrival, as we talk about. Um, probably try to sneak it in like once an episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are all great movies. I mean, they're all over our our top lists for sure. For me, Star Wars, I feel like it's just a blanket, right? That like you can just say Star Wars, just in general. Like even if you didn't want to pick one. Like people are like, oh, name a favorite book, and I'm always just like, okay, well, top ten Harry Potter, not anyone in particular, just the series as a whole. Yeah, right. And I feel like a lot of people with Star Wars, at least, it's like, oh, the the first trilogy is like, you know, top mm. because it's like all. I mean, it is all one story, right? Yeah. Essentially, especially those ones are so connected. Yeah, I think also just narrowing a genre like that down to a top three is is difficult, and so yeah, I mean, I I would say. It's, you know, Star Wars definitely as a blanket applies to. And if I had to pick one, I'd go with the one that I feel like is the obvious winner out of all of them. But um, yeah, I, I think that if anyone were to ask me, I'd probably say those three have had pre- pretty big influences on on my journey with sci-fi movies and, and some being more recent and some being more childhood. Kind of touching on that a little bit, we had an entire episode dedicated to like our starting journey with sci-fi and like what like what that first that first experience that first foray into the genre was like I, said, I can trace mine back specifically to Star Wars you know mm. it was something that i experienced just kind of on a whim it was something that i went to a friend's house and they one of the gifts that they got was uh the original trilogy on VHS and they chucked in Star Wars and while everybody else was having fun playing N64 doing all these crazy things i was sucked into the tv i was engrossed uh, as soon as it was over i popped an empire as soon as that was over i popped in return and it was just at that moment in time i knew i was hooked 
I went home and and instantly told my parents, I was like, buy me every Star Wars thing. So, like I said, it's... it's, I'm sure they love that demand. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. But so what was your first foray into that type of, like, genre and that type of filmmaking? I would typically say Star Wars, but if I'm being honest, I think actually my first experience with science fiction was probably Star Trek, even though I've, you know, I've said before that I'm not a huge Star Trek person. I I don't have a lot of experience or knowledge around it, but... Mm -hmm. When I was very young, I still I do have memories of watching The Next Generation on TV, and it was pretty much unlike anything else that was on TV. Even if going back, it may not seem like the most exciting, fast-paced, cool spaceship thing. Just seeing something on TV that had spaceships and weird alien people, even if most of the time it was just a person, you you know, with uh, some bumps on their forehead or something, and it was like, <laughs> cool, that's that's this crazy alien, yeah you know, pointy ears or whatever. But uh, <laughs> outside of that, um, Star Wars, definitely for me, I feel like a lot of my experience with science fiction stuff was almost like horror to me when I was young because it a lot of it scared me. Stuff involving aliens and things like weirded me out or creeped me out. But Star Wars was always so interesting to me because by the time I got around to it, it had been around for long enough that I'm sure felt like a rite of passage for my my dad to show those movies to me. I remember... When I was a kid, I had the box set of the three movies of the original trilogy on VHS. Like the gold box? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I had watched... the black box. Oh, okay. Pre- that's like, oh. that's pre, pre-gold box. Oh, pre-special you know edition. The gold box might be the... It's the special edition. Might be the DVDs. I think I, I had the black box that had the character, like the Stormtrooper head, mm-hmm. the Darth Vader. And, and then, the, yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and I remember those, I carrying them from house to house because I always had to have my Star Wars movies. Can't say I know exactly <laughs> where those copies are now, but yeah, so that was kind of the origin. And then just as I got older, reading sci-fi novels, things like 1984 or that you would consider like science fiction, uh, Brave New World is where I kind of discovered how exciting science fiction world building can be and being able to explore all these different worlds that can be kind of futuristic or can take things from the past, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but somewhere in the future, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I always thought was just different and interesting. And as a kid, like any other kid who loved the idea of going to space or uh, now the idea scares the shit out of me. But as a kid, (laughs) I thought going to space sounded amazing i wanted to be an astronaut after i wanted to be a firefighter you know yeah. so sci-fi was just always something that i was super gung-ho for i do like that the novels that you touched on weren't just sci-fi they were also kind of dystopian tales mm-hmm. because that was another thing that i really gravitated toward towards when i was young and i still kind of gravitate towards those types of stories and i think that those stories where it was more of a sci-fi dystopian kind of scenario kind of prepped me for what a horror dystopian scenario could be like when you start watching zombie films and how like it, how disheveled the world can get. And I, I, I love that. Oh yeah. It's escapism and it's not always a, a happy escapism, but it's, it's usually you learn, you come out of it learning, having learned something. A lot of that reading too, is this, those, some of those books are classics too. So you mm-hmm. end up just reading them, you know, you're, and they're not hard science fiction. It's just there are elements of it that are fantastical, you know, Fahrenheit 451, stuff like that. You, we know where it's just a little touch of that sci-fi on a maybe, more, you know, a somewhat contemporary it's idea. It's not like Neuromancer or anything like that? Yeah, that's the stuff that I tend to up until more 
recently have kind of strayed away from is the stuff that is a lot more hard science fiction where it takes a lot of effort and work to kind of keep up with all the stuff that's going on in this this imagined world and that's changed more i'm i'm, I'm kind of trying to get more into that kind of material just because i've seen so much sci-fi now that i'm kind of grasping at at some of those straws and and trying to read things like uh like Dune, and, and then, <laughs> which is probably like if you're going to give somebody a book and say, good luck. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the one, at least in that genre. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think what a good point, too, is about 1984 and A Brave New World is that, sure, there's science fiction, but there's just a little bit like you were saying. And so when you're younger, you almost don't even notice that it is science fiction. Like, it's assigned reading for school, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you get through it, and you're like, oh, that was really cool. And then you kind of have to ask yourself, why did you like that? And I think it kind of brings up the idea where, oh, it's because it's science fiction. I'm into science fiction. And now I kind of have an outlet for that desire to go to these other worlds. Right. And then you get to explore that from there. And it, like you're saying, it builds. So now you started with just a little snippet. And then you got more into the movies. And then now you're getting more into the literature. And there's so much crazy shit. Like even if you're into Star Wars. Yeah. Now there's books. Tons of them, right? Books, comics, video games. Uh, and I mean, I know you have to kind of siphon through what's technically canon from the story, but there, I mean, before the canon kind of got wiped when Disney took over, there were a bunch of different, like the Jedi Academy books. I loved that shit. I ate that shit. Oh up. yeah. And I was the, the exact same way. And that was before I had that assigned reading in high school and things. I was reading the expanded universe, Star Wars novels. I had a friend who was obsessed with Star Wars, had a huge collection of Star Wars books and would just pick one off the shelf and say, this one was pretty good. Check this out. And that was back before Star Wars had had kind of its resurgence of, of being, you know, this huge IP again, that is constantly being messed around with and, and added to before it was just like, we're going to do, I'm eating up anything that gives me more Star Wars than the few movies that I have. So I was reading the books, playing the games, playing, you know, the board games, role-playing games, uh, video games, you know, just trying to get as much of that. And then you see how much those those things influence a million other things. So just yeah. you know, the you see something in a movie and you think, oh hey, that's totally 1984, or oh hey, like even now reading Dune, you, you're reading Dune and you're thinking, oh hey, that's where Star Wars got that. So um, that's always super interesting too to see how these. I feel like the sci-fi community tends to share a lot of its DNA between projects, which is always really exciting. Be like, oh, that was totally like a that was more Star Trek than that was Star Wars, or that was more you know this than that. So, yeah, kind of moving uh, a little bit away from uh, the sci-fi. I mean, we'll 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 touch on it plenty, uh, not only in this episode but also in like just future episodes in general. All of September, pretty much. <laughs> what would you say are your big three horror films? I, I always have to jump straight to Scream. It usually hits my number one because that's a movie that I will never, ever get tired of. I've watched it with and without the commentary, with different commentaries, uh, you know, with different people. I've just watched that movie so many times. And it, that one ties definitely into what I'll probably get more into is just kind of my experience with horror growing up. Part of why I think I like it so much now or, lo- you know, I'm so passionate about it is because Scream legitimately scared me when I was a kid. And that's why I think it works really well, because now I laugh and quote it, and it's a great comedy to me, but also I still get that feeling when the scary bits happen, mm-hmm. where I remember being a kid and being actually scared by it. And I'm like, that's that means it's, to me, a good hybrid horror comedy. Outside of that, I would say Psycho. That was one that I wouldn't have been my choice until probably a bit more recently, but within the last few years. I had seen it, but 
I didn't really have a connection with it until I really started going back and learning more about Hitchcock and watching other Hitchcock movies and seeing the craftsmanship behind it all. It makes that movie so interesting to watch every single time and just to see how much of an influence that's had on all kinds of other horror movies and the slasher genre and all of that. You know, you really can't beat that one. And then um, Halloween. I definitely think that those three movies make a really good trifecta too in terms of seeing kind of the same genre at three different points in time and how each one was groundbreaking in some way and helped bring that genre back and helped get people interested in horror. And just to hear in interviews how John Carpenter was inspired by Hitchcock, seeing those things, it, you can watch those movies in a triple feature and I feel like it would make complete sense. It's like and, a timeline. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like this, this did this, this did this, like psycho not necessarily, but sort of invented the, the slasher genre in a way, right? Yeah. Like, like Peeping Tom, and and then you move into, like, what's the next stage of that, right? Where now we're able to see more violence. Then you get things like Black Christmas and Halloween and Texas, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw, right? That kind of, again, reinvented the genre. And then after that genre got completely drained, what happened? Then we got Scream. And that boosted the genre so much again to where we're still seeing the effects of all that stuff happening today. Like, we're still getting Halloween sequels. And you have that coming from someone like, you know, it's coming from these amazing filmmakers, too. Like, you name Alfred Hitchcock, and Psycho might be the first movie that somebody says when they think of, the, of Hitchcock. A lot of time it probably would be, but other people will say North by Northwest, or, they'll, you know, they'll... The they'll birds. Have, the birds, yeah. They'll, whatever their experience with Hitchcock originally was, just like with me, when people say uh, John Carpenter, it's like, okay, well, that hits so much, because then I'm thinking the thing, like I mentioned, you're... Right. you're thinking of all these different movies that are amazing and then Wes Craven it's like okay are, do I go straight to Nightmare on Elm Street or do I go to Scream and the fact that somebody could really hit home I feel like multiple times like that like all those people just hit the mark so many times that it's really hard not to put those movies in your top three they're they're all horror legends well I mean and even when you get to more of the niche stuff like George A. Romero uh, I mean you talk about his body of work and there are so many great films and he pretty much kind of, you know, aside from a few forays in and out, he kind of stuck to a genre, but he still utilized techniques that are still being used today mm -hmm. um, in his filmmaking. And that's, like I said, I think that, that while it's not often considered to be this horror is where a lot of, a lot of good filmmaking techniques come from because in order to make a horror story work, it has to be a good story in most scenarios. I mean, some of the newer stuff, you don't really have as much of that. I mean, I think that part of where that devolution came from and part of where the draining came from was, you know, getting things, you know, that have, you know, a ridiculous amount of sequels and uh, things like Friday the 13th, where the story isn't necessarily the forefront. It's more about the kills and about the gore and about... Eventually about the killer. You don't go looking for a big name actor. You go looking for a character. You go looking for the killer. You go looking for Freddy Krueger. You go for Jason... You go for Michael Myers. You know, it's it's a completely different concept from literally every other genre of filmmaking where I'll go see a movie because Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. But I'm not going to I'm probably not going to watch a Nightmare on Elm Street film if it, they don't have a good Freddy. Well, and I think in, in all three examples that I gave for my top three horror movies, those are all really good examples of movies that had probably, you know, too many sequels, <laughs> you know, in most people's opinions. And, um, but they all do something different with the killer. You know, you're talking about people getting fascinated with the killer. Norman Bates 
what was scary about him is that he seemed like a normal nice guy and then the sequels have an opportunity to kind of try to delve a little bit more into that um, and the show too and yeah and the show and then with halloween you get a character that didn't even have like he wasn't even called michael myers in the credits he was the shape so and then the, they've gone obviously way in all kinds of different directions with tying him into the all these sequels with relationships and all this stuff and so he's gotten his whole thing and then with ghost the ghost face it's a different person every time yeah. like it's as striking um and that's part of the fun is the mystery of who the killer is or you know how many people are the killer and and, and that sort of thing so they all do something kind of different that takes that same idea and twists it just a little bit I could just go watch those movies right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, we would join you 100%. Yeah. <laughs> we all have work tomorrow. We would join you. Yeah. Um, so uh, an interesting question that I think that we've discussed on the show. Uh, while going through and saying, oh, th this is my list of favorite horror movies. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you listed your number one as Scream. But this is a discussion I always like to have because uh, Scream, it's a series. And the way that it works, because it's so meta and because it has all these different ties to it, there are different things about the different sequels that make them interesting and make them unique from from itself. And I've had this discussion on multiple occasions with you about like which one of the Scream movies is your favorite. Because while from a technical standpoint, you may say, "Oh, Scream one, obviously it, it's you know it's the best film out of those." But as far as like which one is your favorite to watch? In this case, I feel like I'm. It's not an exciting answer to say you can't beat the original. But then there are things to like about all of the others. I feel like at one point I would have said that maybe I liked Scream Two more. I thought it was more fun because um, there's a bit more going on. But then rewatching those movies all together yeah, a few times recently, it kind of does open up a lot of doors into seeing the flaws in, in the sequels. That yeah, the original is not perfect, but it's still the one that I, if I was looking at all the four movies i would want to throw that one on above any of the rest and before i think i i would have even said that i loved all of them including including four and would just throw whatever on but rewatching them more recently i think that that the original same with halloween like i love some of the halloween sequels for their own reasons uh maybe not the later on they went but for halloween you know if i'm gonna throw one on i'll throw on the original and then psycho i don't really think there's much of a question even though i i do think that the sequels aren't all terrible and there's some redeeming qualities from some of the sequels, but I'll just throw on the original usually and be totally happy, even though I know beat for beat what's going to happen throughout the entire movie. <laughs> of the four screams, would you say is your least favorite? Three or four? <laughs> three. I think I, I, I honestly think three is pretty awful. At one time, I would have said four, but like I said, going back and rewatching them, I really realized how much I could have just taken a nap through three and not felt like I missed anything. It tries to do something interesting. Like, it tries to get very, very, very meta and tries to do the whole Hollywood, like, thing. But it's just not very satisfying in the end. And I think 4, at least, was exciting when it happened. I liked the idea of do, bringing more of kind of a modern twist, but not getting to the point of, like, the MTV show. Yeah. Right. Level of, like, being contemporary. But it had enough to, to where you go, okay, this is, they are doing, like John said, the the different slightly different angles to be differently meta as technology and things develop and they're aware of that a lot of horror movies try to skirt around that with like you know cell phone service or people having cell phones or people having cameras or and all this stuff and scream really as it goes on tries to play into that and incorporate that stuff and be self-aware would you say that Sidney prescott is your 
favorite final girl, or would you give that to somebody else? That's something that I could, I, if I had a lot of time to think about it, I'd probably have others from other movies outside of the ones I listed that I, that I would say are my favorite, but out of what I've listed so far, yeah, I think so. I love Laurie Strode, but going back and rewatching the original, I can't say that Laurie Strode has a lot going on in terms of her character. She, it was originally, the idea was, you know, that she's a babysitter, like it's a, ba- a babysitter murder. And it wasn't until later when you, her character gets expanded more, whether you consider that canon, you know, if we can even say that at this point with how many reboots of the entire franchise there have been. But at least with Sydney, it feels like there's a consistent through line with her character through all the movies. She has a lot of growth from the beginning. I feel like she's likable. She's spunky. She can take care of herself. She really is a total badass. And you're not like surprised at the end when she becomes the final girl. I feel like you get to the end. You're like, okay, well, if anyone was going to kick this guy, these guys asses, like it would be her. She's smart. So even if the movies don't really hit on every level in the sequels, I almost always like the character uh, of Sydney. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, we've discussed this at length before, but as far as like pulling from other films, obviously um, uh, going back to Alien, Ripley's about as uh, about as badass as you can get. Yeah, see, that's a great example of like, okay, if I put, if I wanted to compile a list specifically about Final Girls, I mean, there's no doubt that Ripley would make it on there. Um, pretty high if not like the top because that's a character too that it you're not you're not expecting in that you know in that movie because that that character isn't even kind of pushed as the main character i feel like until a little bit later in the movie when you start to realize like oh she's put in this situation and she has to she's always tough and she's always she's hella smart too she's the one who tells them like don't fucking let that shit in like (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's some alien stuff don't let it in and then when it gets let in she's the one who has to take care of it in the end and and she's legitimately frightened you know there's a lot of that it feels legitimate she's not indestructible at least in that one and and i prefer that it feels a lot more like a horror movie in that original than when she's like cruising around in a forklift mech thing and like that's (laughs) great you know it's a great movie but uh, in that original, I, she felt like a real, like, blue-collar space person. Yeah, <laughs> you know? classic. Yeah. <laughs> classic blue-collar space person. Yeah, yeah. Outside of, obviously, the X-Files, because uh, he's wearing a shirt right now that says, I want to believe on it, what are some of the either horror or sci-fi or crossover shows like that that you kind of gravitate toward as far as TV goes? Um, I, I'm a diehard uh, Buffy that's fan. Right, that's right. That's another shirt that I that I considered wearing is I, I have <laughs> my Buffy shirt. So Buffy is great. Uh, X-Files, yeah. Ever since childhood, and this is, I talk about this all the time, but it, I have a undying love for Tales from the Crypt. And I tend to, to love horror in that anthology format. Mm-hmm. So the Twilight Zone is... You can't really beat it. I used to be terrified of The Outer Limits when I was a kid, but I feel like that's a huge part of what got me into both genres because that was something where I went into it wanting the sci-fi and got more of the horror than I ex- had expected. <laughs> yeah, than you bargained for. Yeah, and, yeah, and it stuck with me. It's something that I'll, that I I'll, like. There are certain images from Outer Limits episodes, or even just the opening. You know, there's nothing wrong with your television. You know, <laughs> like it, it it'll uh, that'll always stick with me. Um, so those are the big ones. I try. I'm a, I'm a bit more cautious these days when it comes to like jump because there's so much to choose from now in terms of like sci-fi and horror, other media, TV shows and things. So I don't do I don't jump on the first thing like I might have when I was younger where it's like, oh, this takes place in space. I got to watch it. I got to, you know, or there's something scary. More recently, the stuff that scares me more, I feel like, is the stuff that is a little bit more grounded in reality. And that tends to get a little bit more under my skin. So I like things that have to do with real life 
murderers and things like that, you know, and that's, it's very true crime. True crime. Yeah. It's very macabre. I I, I enjoy that stuff in podcasts, you know, or in TV and and, in movies. Um, But that's also being done like crazy too. So it's, uh, it's hard to find the good stuff. Yeah. It gets tough because the market gets so saturated. Right. Yeah. And so then a few years back, you know, we came out with found footage stuff and paranormal was cool and they saturated themselves and the market. And then you get shit like, was it grave encounters or whatever? It's like, I ain't going to wait. I don't want to watch that. I'm not going to waste my time. But then every once in a while you get stuff like the Hell House movies, Mm -hmm. which are pretty good. Yeah. You know, and you get to see that kind of fluctuate. Well, yeah, this actually just popped in my head. I was thinking about other, I was trying to think of other media and I don't don't know why I hadn't mentioned this before, but um, Goosebumps. Yeah. That was big for me. The the TV show and the books when I was a kid, they weren't scary in any sense that would really terrify me now obviously but as a kid like i would voraciously read goosebumps books and then i would hide the cover like i put them in my backpack so that i wouldn't accidentally see the cover too late at night and it, and i'd be afraid it would give me nightmares um and then the tv show like didn't help that because yeah. then it was just for for adapting something like you know goosebumps which is a little bit schlocky and definitely you know has an age range the tv show does a pretty great job and has a badass theme tune yeah oh yeah for yeah sure. Sloppy was fucking terrifying. Yeah, there's some. There's legitimately some stuff in there that they. I'm like, wow, they showed this to kids. Are you afraid of the dark? Mm -hmm. So good. That shit was super scary though. Like Goosebumps, I feel like was entry level. Like, okay, yeah, I might fuck with this PG-13 like version. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then Are You Afraid of the Dark was like, rated R. You're fucked. You're scared. This is terrifying. Well, and what was great about that stuff is that it. Push the envelope just enough that when you're a kid and you're watching it, you feel like it's maybe something you shouldn't be allowed to watch. Which for some things like Tales from the Crypt, which I should not have been able to watch when I was a kid. It was an <laughs> HBO show that had a lot of blood and nudity. Yeah. Um, and cursing and things like that. Maybe I can think having not terribly perceptive parents um, for that. I would just remember. And I had actually, it was funny, I had confirmed this. I went on Reddit and I found somebody had made a post and I was like, am I making this up or not? But I remember when I was a kid sitting with my sister watching TV, we would watch Mad TV, which we loved because it was just people being goofy and funny. And then it would roll into Tales from the Crypt after that. And I would always run out of the room crying and tell my dad to change the channel. And I was like, was that programming block? Did that even exist? Am I just making that up? And I saw somebody else on Reddit post, do you remember when Tales from the Crypt used to come on after Mad TV and used to scare the crap out of you? And I was like, oh my God, yes, somebody else had that same experience. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same with a lot of people where it's the, those things that you found scary end up being the things that you find the most interesting as an adult. And, and a lot of horror fans come from people who were really scared kids. Mm-hmm. And I was a very scared child. I was, I was scared of, I had a lot of nightmares. I was scared of uh, things I saw on TV. I was scared of the idea of aliens coming into my room and abducting me. You know, I was all this stuff that I don't even think twice about um, anymore. But as a kid, it, it was so impactful that I feel like that's why it's stuck with me for so long and why I get so much excitement out of it. It's just so exciting to sit down and watch a horror movie and hope that you can recapture some of that, you know, or a sci-fi movie or just hope you can capture a little bit of that kind of childhood feeling that you had of, Oh, am I supposed to really be watching this? You know, or like it, it Am I doing something wrong watching this? You know, like <laughs> this is this is really creepy. Is, is anybody else creeped out? <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Uh, I've talked about this quite a bit. Where I feel like there's a very fine line between horror and comedy, mm-hmm. and I feel like just like that fine line exists. There's also 
a a fine line between what people find terrifying and what they find intriguing. And that a lot of times that Venn diagram crosses. And I think that's where you end up finding lifelong horror fans and people who are big buffs. And when they come into the movies, uh, just because, you know, you've seen things in your childhood that, you know, terrified you, but because of how interesting those things are, the reasons why they're scary is because they're inherently interesting. Yeah. So it, kind of keeps you coming back for more even though you know you slowly but surely get a little desensitized to things as you look into it more you know more closely and pick through it with a fine-tooth comb you know you really you find out that either that thing is not plausible or that it's not really rooted in facts mm -hmm. and i think that that's part of the reason why like you say nowadays like things like true crime are more terrifying to you because they are 100% rooted in facts and those are things yeah. that have happened yeah absolutely. and that's what makes those like like not necessarily scary but the things that kind of get under your skin yeah like, they cause tension in your life i think a case could be made too that like when you're a kid right something like i guess how you feel about specific genres changes mm -hmm. right so you might be really scared of aliens when you're younger maybe not so much now yeah. But then when you're a kid, maybe you're not scared of home invasion stuff because you don't really get what's going on. To you, it's all just creepy guys doing creepy things. But at least for me, the older I got, the more scared I've got of home invasion stuff. Like that stuff starts to get under my skin a lot more now. Do you feel like that with any of the genres at all that didn't really used to have an effect and now do or did and now don't? Well, I definitely feel that way about – um I just think that you have to try harder in in a lot of respects to scare someone when they're an adult. And as a child, yeah, like you were saying, that the things that terrified me were terrifying because they looked scary, like on the surface. You know, I'd see a zombie. Like, you know, I saw the Michael Jackson thriller video when I was a kid and I had to turn the TV off because just seeing the, you know... The ghouls. Yeah, you know, seeing the... Uh, I believe it was I believe it was Rick Baker who did the makeup for that because he also did uh, American Werewolf in London. But um, seeing that, like the skin falling off stuff, that stuff terrified me. Now I love that music video. It's same with Tales from the Crypt. I think you know those characters like Chucky and these they all become these horror icons that you love, and you know you, you get things tattooed on you that as a kid you would have wanted to get as far away from as possible. And so now as an adult, yeah, the things that I find scary in horror movies tend to be a lot more cerebral or a lot more just generally uncomfortable. They hit something about my personal anxieties that I don't, that I like to not like. Yeah. <laughs> um, same with sci-fi. Like it's, it's harder to impress me with sci-fi because especially with how much technology has advanced, you can put anything in space basically. And, and you could do it on a, like a halfway decent computer with, you know, some after effects programs and stuff like, you know, you could do something that looks like it's in space the same way that Star Trek, the next generation looked like it was in space when I was a kid. So now you have to do things that are a bit more uh, flipping the script and twisting things up. You know, like we were talking about Annihilation. That's a movie that I feel like does something a little bit different with the sci-fi where somebody had an idea and they were like, how do we, how do we make this sci-fi? And I feel like maybe the original idea wasn't even as much sci-fi. It was something else about people and how they deal with loss in their life. And then it's like, how do I translate that into something that also has weird skull screaming wolf bear monsters and stuff like that <laughs> man bear pigs yeah man bear pigs <laughs> uh alligators that are also sharks <laughs> well yeah where's the sci-fi movie about that shit <laughs> how do you feel about b movies you into them you out of them 
Well, I watched them a lot by accident when I was a kid, not realizing what was supposed to be interesting about them. And I didn't have a taste for what made a movie good or bad. It was just if it had some sort of gimmick like that and I was able to access it on TV. So like the sci-fi channel back when it was actually spelled sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would watch the movies and think, wow, this isn't as good as the good sci-fi movies, like science fiction movies that I've seen. But it has a shark alligator or it has, you know, <laughs> dinosaur. It, you know, it has something in it where it it was interesting as a kid. It was something to watch on in a, on an afternoon. And then as an adult, I, I'm, I started to realize, oh, they're doing these kind of movies. Yeah, because they're working on a low budget, but also because that's a heritage for, for those that channel and that, that whole is the B movie. So now as an adult, I've learned to appreciate things like camp a lot more than I did when I was a kid. You don't understand things like that when you're a kid. You don't have enough experience with watching movies. But then when you start thinking, once you've seen hundreds of movies, then watching a really good and by good i mean really shitty but really funny <laughs> b movie is always exciting especially if you do it with friends mm-hmm. you know and you guys can can joke around about things that are happening and you can uh do your own little commentaries on 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 the shittiness of the movie mystery science theater it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and i think mystery science theater things like that like got me to start to understand oh there is some value in going back and rewatching these really awful movies even if that wasn't the intention of like the ed woods of the world was to make a movie that people, yeah, that people were gonna want, we're gonna go back and laugh at. But hey, like people still talk about those movies. Like you still get people talk mentioning Plan Nine from Outer Space. Like you still get people mentioning those movies, even if it is like, hey, let's throw that on and let's laugh for a while. Yeah. Um, Do you have any guilty pleasure in either genre where it's like, I know this is a bad movie, but I'm gonna watch the shit out of this movie? One in horror that I can think of right off the bat, and I'm sure there are plenty. I, if I was looking at my movie collection, I could probably point out a couple that I own that I probably shouldn't. But I have a soft spot for 1408 okay. as a horror okay. movie. Okay, okay, okay. I've okay. always, for whatever reason, I saw that movie in theaters, and I remember it creeped me out. And it was one of those first horror movies where I felt like there was a bit more going on psychologically than I had seen in horror movies before that. It was probably because I was young enough when that movie came out that it didn't take a lot to impress me. Mm-hmm. And I like John Cusack, so... <laughs> Uh, or I did at one point. And uh, so that's definitely a, a guilty pleasure for me because it's not something that I would bring into conversation unless somebody was like, hey, you, you know, you've seen 1408? And I'd be like, yeah, uh, you like it too? Okay, cool. Let's <laughs> and then sci-fi, um, I don't really know. I'm sure I'm sure there are some. Horror, I feel like it's way easier to pull those up though. Like it's oh, way yeah. easier to just be like, okay, there's this, this movie that everybody thinks is crappy, but there's something about it that either scares me still or there's something about it that I still have some nostalgia for. And that influences a lot too when I saw the movie. I mean, I'm that way about if I today was going and starting some of the franchises that I listed, I probably would feel really... Like I, I feel like all of the sequels to those movies felt like guilty pleasures, but now I'm like, I'll go throw on Halloween five and then enjoy it because I remember watching it as a kid and staying up late and thinking it was terrifying and having close <laughs> memories with it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Jason X? It's, I mean, it's horror sci-fi. I mean, it's the it's, it's the best of both worlds, man. It's Jason in space, man. Yeah, he freezes that chick's head and smashes it. <laughs> or it's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> So that was around the time that I was living with, I went from living with my parents to living with my grandparents when I was young. And and then the leash got a little bit tighter for a while in terms of what movies I was able to see. So Jason X was a movie that I thought looked interesting because at the time that was the gimmick was let's put things in space. And then also like, let's make him have a cool metal looking mask. Cause like Chrome and like, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. 
but I never really got to see it. I think I caught it finally on the sci-fi channel way later. And by that time I like had no interest and I was never, I, I appreciate them now, but at, honestly, I was, I would watch anything with Michael Myers before I watched anything with Jason when I was a kid. I, I kind of missed out a bit on the Friday the 13th um, until I was older. And same thing was like uh, Freddy versus Jason. I remember the trailer scared the crap out of me because Freddy Krueger's burned face. Again, it goes back to that. Just what something looks like can be scary. I always thought Freddy Krueger was less funny and more just outright terrifying because it was a dude with a burned face. Now I appreciate his character so much, you know, for the comedy <laughs> and the, you know, bitch and the, you know, yeah. <laughs> welcome to my, my, my nightmare and all that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, as, uh, I missed out on that one too. Like I remember having people describe those movies to me because I wanted to get as close as I could to like experiencing seeing that horror movie that I couldn't go see, um, or couldn't, or would never catch on TV. I got lucky with some, which is why I feel like Halloween is stuck or Scream have stuck with me because those are the ones I was kind of able to sneak mm. back in the day when like AMC before they blew up with Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and all that, they would do just their around Halloween time. They would just constantly marathon the entire Halloween series or the entire Friday the 13th series. And I was old enough that I could stay up past like nine o'clock at night. So I would just wait till everybody else got tired and went to bed and I would sit on the couch and I would just have a blanket wrapped around me and I'd be in a cold sweat and I'd just watch like three Halloween movies in a row, in a row. <laughs> And then do the same thing when they marathoned them again. Just put them on. See, I saw them all in bunches and pieces and put that whole thing together. And I can't say that that made the already confusing plots of a lot of those sequels any less confusing. (laughs) Yeah, even the studios were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just make a sequel to the original one. Yeah. And now we're getting a sequel to that, so. It's the world of being a horror fan. Yep. It's like, when are they going to reboot it? And now Terminator's getting the same thing. And that falls... In the, I guess, the crossover genre. This is the second time that's happening for Terminator. Did they already do it? I thought they've all been technically sequels. So I'm pretty sure. Because it's one, two, three, Salvation. And then I'm pretty sure they cut it and we're like, oh, we're going to lead that this one is going to follow directly after three with Genesis and uh, cut Salvation out. Uh, okay. And then now they're like, well, now neither of those movies exist and three. And we're just going like, to bunch it right after two. I really hope they pull it off. For me, that's a genre that I've really connected with. Um, or not a, a franchise, I should say. I think I own the first four. Did not like Genesis at all. I, I skipped it. I really could not have given less of a shit about Genesis. Um, I might watch it, you know, one of these days. But I cared about Terminator up to a point. It was When I saw three, I remember thinking, okay, this is like not nearly as good as I remember the first two being when mm-hmm. i you know and i i've been watching the first two terminator movies since i was a kid because we right. just had them around and like it it was a if you hadn't seen terminator and terminator 2 what the hell were you doing yeah, so like i had seen those movies <laughs> and then terminator 3 came out and i remember that was around like you know there was the big campaign around that and then it was kind of close around the time when he was doing the whole governor thing here in california and so it was all like i just kind of started to get a little bit and then i remember the sarah connor chronicles tv show i was huge into Oh. Then, and then I got really back into Terminator, and I got super stoked for Salvation, and then Salvation had some good stuff, but overall, like, I think it wasn't what people wanted. Yeah. And I remember that was, Christian Bale was getting big because of Batman and all that, so I thought that was going to be, like, the coolest movie ever. And then it was, I didn't get to see it. <laughs> I missed out on the theaters, <laughs> and by the time I saw it, I had heard everybody say it's not great. And I liked some stuff, but by the time 
you know, these new ones roll around. I don't have any interest in Dark Fate or whatever, you know. I, I'll probably check it out, but unless people start raving about it, which would be nice, I'd be fine just waiting to see it. But, I mean, it's got good people in charge. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm so cautious about the whole franchise at this point. Yeah. I really don't like to get my hopes up. I mean, Halloween turned it around. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's it can hope. it can happen if you yeah. get the right people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Is there anything else that you want to add about your horror or sci-fi background that you can think of off the top of your head? I would say my biggest fear in modern day is I have a huge fear of moths. So uh, that's something about me. Um, I no longer like the idea of going to space. I feel like it would be very claustrophobic and terrifying and I'd be way too anxious. So yeah, I feel like uh, the anxiety of adulthood really changes the way that (laughs) (laughs) what you're afraid of. Yeah. Other than that, I just want to say that it's super awesome to be a part of this. I've been listening and i've been obviously friends with you guys for quite a long time and and we have these kind of conversations anyway out you know when we're off mic so it's nice to be able to get them down for posterity and hopefully have other people who are interested in listening so we're not just hearing ourselves talk definitely look forward to keeping going with it with you guys and and having some really good conversations in the future if you enjoyed that then you can catch anthony on every future episode (laughs) (laughs) future Right, and if you want to share with us your beginnings with the horror or sci-fi genre or some of your favorites, then feel free to do that at any of our social medias, and we'll have that information for you at the end of the episode. Yeah, if anyone else had that same experience with Mad TV and Tales from the Crypt, please let me know. Please please comment. I want to, I want to know. We can start a club. <laughs> Support group. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so do you want to share out any of your personal socials or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, the one that I really... Um, am always on is instagram uh it's at here be monster it's where i do my artwork which a lot of the time is inspired by uh horror it's a lot of bones and skulls and creepy (laughs) things and especially with halloween coming up i'm sure i'm going to be wanting to do a lot more spooky art um so yeah if you want to come hang out on instagram like i'm on there more than i'm on any other social media so um yeah, check that out and then keep listening to us. And uh, hopefully I can share more um, horror and sci-fi art um, that that I'm inspired by and that I love. Maybe find some artists that I can share on here and get people interested in. That is going to wrap it up for this bonus episode. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you real soon with a regularly scheduled episode. Yeah, keep it creepy. You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you're going to listen to PodCoin, don't forget to use the code PORCELAIN. That's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N for 300 free coins. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Don't forget to follow us at Porcelain Peak on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or check us out on PorcelainPeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for writing and producing our intro song, and to Anthony Silva for designing the Porcelain Peak logo. This has been here for this fair a weirdos production.